Hello, everyone. This is the Shuffle Bus, and I'm your host, Jesse Bergman. And with me, as always, is my co-host, Neil Molman. We're fresh off the Energon Invitational. We're back in the recording studio, and we're excited to talk about Transformers yet again. Hi, Neil. How's it going? Uh, it's going good. Um, I like that we started out by lying to our audience uh, because I'm not in the recording studio. No, you're not. You're right. <laughs> I'm not actually either. So, so one of the exciting things is um, we we're doing this remotely. So, just for our, our you know loyal fans that know what we were doing before, we were recording in the studio in in downtown Lincoln, and now you are in Florida and have been in Florida for a few months. So, yep, sunny Florida. I, that's really I just wanted to rub it in your face a little bit because I know it's very cold at home, and it was a little too warm for us to have the windows open today. So. I am not sorry for you at all. Just saying. So, yes, it's cold here in Nebraska. Obviously, warm in Florida. I hate you right now. And, yeah. <laughs> but we are fresh off the Energon Invitational. That was, part I didn't lie about. Right. We did go. It was cold there. Uh, that was my first, like, not summer this year. It was, like, 50, and I was just complaining but it was fun it was a good time <laughs> yeah I, I don't you know 50 is great I, I was walking around in a sweatshirt the whole weekend you're like i'm freezing i'm freezing i'm freezing yeah i didn't want to have to wear my shoes outside well yeah that's i get that i mean you know it's that barefoot bar syndrome uh, I can't help you with it too much, though. So let's uh, let's kind of dive in a little bit. Let's kind of recap. Obviously, it's been a few months since our interview with Scott. This is technically episode six. Um, we, you know, definitely took a little bit of hiatus when you made the trip to Florida. We didn't really know how we were going to handle the recording process, but now we've got you kind of set up with a mic down there, and uh, so we've got you amped up and ready to go. But let's let's just kind of like really quick out of the gate. Let's talk. First impressions of the EI, first ever EI for Transformers. So let's just hear your like hot take on it. Well, it's it's been a few days now, like you said, and anybody that follows the community knows that there's just tons of people and tons of very strong opinions, usually for the negative, about what happened last weekend. And for me, I had a great time. The event was a little long. That's about the only bad thing I can say about it. Uh, but I really enjoyed it. Like we had a good deck going in. We can talk about that in a little bit here, but, uh, and I enjoyed the sealed portion, uh, quite a bit. Actually, my, my pool was just okay. Not great. Uh, but I like doing the sealed portion and I know that's like an unpopular opinion right now. Well, your your opinion and my opinion are very similar on the sealed part. I I love the sealed portion of this tournament. I I did get lucky in my pool, but even that wasn't that lucky. I still only managed to pull out a two and one. It's not like I pulled some super mega combo, and I still lost to a common bomb bot from wave four. So, you know that that's the beauty of the sealed thing is I think it's fairly well balanced and insulated on itself just in the way they handle the rarity distribution of both bots and battle cards. Now, I, I will say, I think Lord Megatron, if you pull a Lord Megatron in sealed, that's the one SRT bot that probably is pretty punishing just because of the reduced deck size. Look, anybody that's complaining about like the possibility of a super rare existing and limited just like doesn't understand how card games are made because 
like it comes up you know what do they say one out of 60 packs or something one out of 50. you get yeah. you get a single super rare so one of four super rares three of them are like just fine one in 50 packs and yeah there were i don't know i two or three lord megatrons i heard about in the tournament and maybe those people went 3-0 but like out of 180 people i it doesn't bother me like i would rather have that exist so that we can play limited like obviously i still want that card in the set because it's a cool card and they want uh the like mill thing to be a thing a little bit um so if we want that card to exist and we want to play draft or sealed like you, this is the way it is and they did it just fine and like if you spike a lord megatron good for you if you play against me bad for me like I, it just you just got to understand that that's how it's going to be and if you're not prepared for that you shouldn't be going into a tournament like this i i, I completely agree just simply because when i did a lot i mean i did a lot of limited testing like i probably went over the uh proverbial line in terms of testing <laughs> just just really i mean I, I bought two cases of product i opened two cases of product that was both siege one and uh, siege two and either draft either limited constructed those pools completely or took those pools in and then just theory crafted the deck i would build off of them and i probably played somewhere in the realm of 40 or 50 sealed matches before coming into the ei and that certainly prepared me much more than if i wouldn't have done that and i think a lot of the people that are complaining are those people that didn't take the time energy or effort to build out or practice sealed. Now I, I can understand and appreciate the argument that that costs a lot of money and it makes it very difficult, but we are talking about the highest level of competition here too. And some real money on the line. I mean, if, if you're going to make the investment to try to play for real money and expect to do well playing for real money, I think you have to make the front end investments in that as well. And that, that includes practicing limited. Right. I mean, I, you know, I hate to open packs like, just personally, I hate to open packs. I I don't find it enjoyable just to like, oh, I'm going to crack this pack and see like what my rare is. That doesn't mean anything to me. Uh, I always just like save whatever packs I have in case we play limited. Like I want to be able to draft and I want to be able to play sealed and stuff. And if I just have the packs already, like it's much cheaper than buying the entry every time. But, uh, you know, I, I know there's a ton of people out there that just love to crack packs and that's what they do. But like... Like you said, this is a high-level competition, and I don't think that if you're playing a game where the limited format exists, that you can be called... Like, like I don't think that Dan Arnold could stand up there and like call himself world champion having not played any sealed. Like, you can't be the best player in the world at the game if you don't play limited, too. It's just part of the game, and you got to be good at it. So Yeah, absolutely. No, you're completely correct. I mean, Dan... Dan obviously played exceptionally well, and congratulations to Vector Sigma and Dan for uh, coming out on top of this event. I mean, it was grueling, and it really is a true testament to his stamina and his ability to critically think when exhausted. Uh, that's certainly something that I'll talk about in my EI experience as we get deeper into this cast today. Yeah, and, and we'll definitely but, have more to say about Vector Sigma as well. But just just for the state of like the limited thing that seems to be the hot thing on the like Facebook group right now and every other content producer is talking about it. Like I liked playing limited. I know some people didn't. I mean, 
if you don't want to play limited, you don't have to. You just, like, if you're going to come to the World Championship, they have limited in it, so, like, be prepared for it. But Yeah, and I, I don't think it's it going to change. From from the conversations we had with Watsi, I don't think limited's going to change. I think they're just going to think about different ways to approach limited in the future um, in, in order to make the event a little bit more contained in time from from what it sounded like from talking with drew and and matt and team and i gotta say you know big shout out to those guys man they're they super approachable or what dude like they were just oh yeah i i mean drew is great but talking to matt specifically was like just i i could have sat there and talked to him for six hours like just (laughs) i love the concept of like game rules and uh I guess he's the guy. So we had a nice little conversation and, uh, yeah, and we did. And the whole staff, like pastimes as well was just, they were all friendly. They're all helpful. And everybody was at a high stress level, especially during the sealed rounds. And like it, it was a good job. Like I said, my only complaint was that it was a little long, but it's the first one ever. We got through all nine rounds. We got through the sealed building portion. Like everything went okay. Uh, if we have that many players next year, I hope they'll move it to two days. But even if they don't, like, I'll do that again. It's not a deal breaker for me. Exactly. No, it's not for me either. I will definitely be making sure that I'm put in a position to be back at EI next year, whether that's at PAX or wherever they decide to hold it. The uh, so So talking about rules for just a little bit, I think that's a good segue into a little bit about our tournament recap. And I want to start with, you had a very interesting first round matchup and uh, interesting it, it, is a good way to put it. Um, <laughs> so, well, I mean, I mean, I'm trying to, I'm trying to be respectful. I think at the end of the day, like what that particular player brought to the table is very unique, uh, very thoughtful. It's also very much an angle shoot, right? Like they're, they're very much shooting for a specific rule set and how to exploit that rule set. And, I think having some unintended consequences that the developers probably didn't foresee when they wrote out the expanded rules. Well, so to preface this, we'll say like uh, you and I went into the into the day playing a jet fire deck. Is a good deck? Is a fair deck? Like it just it was a control deck. It tried to like card advantage you out, and jet fire is a big giant man. Like we we can talk about the deck in specifics in a little bit here, but. So I went into the tournament playing fair. Now, I didn't want to. Uh, you know, we had a version of like Cog Daring Escape built that we've been playing for the last couple months. And after it was kind of outed at Dallas um, and in the like week and a half leading up to Dallas, it was on Facebook and everything. Uh, I got a lot less Spe- confident in it. and Specifically the MMG ban, right? We just really didn't have time to dig into how to play around the MMG ban. Right. And the thing about that is, is that there was a like Springer during escape deck that went 7-0 in the constructed rounds. He just lost a couple sealed rounds. So uh, he didn't make top eight. Um, so even without the multi-mission gear, uh, the deck is still good. But in any case, we it was not a deck that we were on. And I was coming into the tournament assuming that the turbo board in my sideboard was good enough after they banned multi-mission gear because multi-mission gear being banned stopped most of the going off on your opponent's turn stuff that was going on that like got around the turbo board. 
So we went in playing fair. In the first round, I played against an opponent who did not play fair. He played by the rules, but like yes. he wasn't playing the game as the game is designed. And that's okay. I mean, there's combo decks in every game. So his combo was, again, a Springer thing. Springer is the, the guy now. <laughs> uh, yeah, Springer definitely is the hot topic of all combo decks lately. Yeah, which, you know, he before Multi-Mission Gear got banned, you know, I was working on a Springer version of Daring Escape also, but the COG version was just better, so that was like what we were concentrating on. But this guy was playing Springer, and he wasn't playing Daring Escape. He was playing EMP Wave. So his uh, starting lineup was RC, Fire Drive, and Springer, which leaves you with one star. So he had one EMP Wave in the main. Um, and the way that this deck, I guess, comboed you is like a slow combo, uh, is that... When you have seven cards in hand and you equip Springer with a conversion engine, you can go to your end of turn step, conversion engine happens, turn Springer to bot side unless you play some cards. And if one of those cards is EMP wave, it taps all the bots in play and he passes the turn. This actually happens yeah. after the step where you would untap your bots. So essentially, if I pass the turn to you, you're all tapped out. So you have to take your turn. You get to draw a card and play your action and your upgrade and flip if you want. And then you don't get to attack because all your guys are tapped. At which point, all the bots will untap and you'll pass the turn, which will give, you know, me an attack and then a chance to do the Springer thing again and tap all the bots. So you get right. into this loop where as long as you have EMP waves and you have the conversion engine, you don't take infinite turns, but you take the only turns that have attacks. Correct. Which is the only way right now to win the game beyond a DE approach. Right. I mean, they, they made that rule for Peace or Tyranny, like you can't take more than one extra turn. Well, this isn't actually doing that. It's letting your opponent have a turn. It's just a turn where they don't get to do very much. Um, and it only has one EMP wave in the main, but it plays uh, five of the Wishes where yeah if, unleash potential and ancient wisdom right and if you're familiar with magic the uh the wishes are spells that like got cards out of your sideboard so that's what i compare them to obviously unleash potential ancient wisdom get a star card out of your sideboard which can be an emp wave and also a valuable contract uh he was playing three of the ancient wisdoms and two valuable contracts and so he either raw dog draws the first EMP wave to start it, or he just wishes for one. And once you like play it, it just goes in your discard pile so you can draw it again naturally as you shuffle your deck. And it's because of how Springer draws so many cards, it's not very hard to loop them. Um, so he crushed me. No, no. Uh, he crushed me in the first round. It was very demoralizing because I was very confident going into the day, like thought that I was prepared for everything. And I saw his team, I'm like, oh, this is some kind of dorky combo deck, and I'll side in my turbo board. Well, I did side in my turbo board, and it does slow him down, because uh, they tend to do, you know, several things on their turn, flipping Springer, or playing Unleash Potential, or playing Field Communicator, whatever. And it kind of slows those things down, but doesn't stop it, because once the loop starts, he doesn't have to play more than two cards on his turn. He just, like, attacks, and end of turn step, plays an EMP wave, and does it right. over and over. Um, yeah, and I and I played him in round six, and we can get to 
that part too, but I, I continue with your part of it too. Cause I think without your kind of early, essentially scouting and our discussion about it after round one, I don't know if I would have been better prepared or been able to be prepared to kind of try to fight it. Right. So after I saw what it was doing in the first game, like the first thing you got to know going into this match is that if this is happening to you, you need to concede aggressively because even playing fair decks, everybody went to time all the time. And you don't want to do that against this deck because it's going to win game one and then you're just SOL. So if you have any hope of like taking the extra games, uh, you got to concede. Like, don't make him do it. In the second game when he's going off, make him do it, whatever. You're you're not out anything if you just like make him take a million turns. But in the first game, you need to concede to give yourself time to beat it. And the way that you beat it is just... You play some hand disruption to get the MP waves, or you play some utility gillers to get the conversion engine, and you hope that he doesn't have the additional copies, which for the Springer deck is really hard not to have him because it draws so many cards, and it has reclaims as like additional copies of uh, the conversion engine, because right. you can put it on top and then flip your Springer to draw it. Um, so it's it is very... It's very resilient to that kind of stuff because it doesn't have to put as many cards in its deck to like go off, so to speak. It just has like the things that get the star cards out of the sideboard and the conversion engines. And you just kind of like have other cards in your deck that are kind of good. So the RC is important to the combo because that's how you win. Even if RC isn't equipped, you just ding them for one over and over again when you're taking like your infinite turns ish, uh, right. and they can't block it. The deck does have like the fire drive and uh, some erratic lightnings and a mounted missiles to get out of the sideboard. Um, to yeah, make... mounts... so I can talk about the sideboard, but yeah, go ahead, keep going. Yeah, so the one of the things it does is if it runs into a turbo board or whatever that's kind of bad for it, a caliburst. It can uh, equip the RC and kill it. It's because it, unlike the cog deck or whatever, it's it has like a reasonable attacker, so you can actually kill the turbo board, um, which is something we can talk about for the daring escape deck as well, because it had a similar thing going on. Right. Um, the other thing it like, it's just it has a lot of redundancy to it, and it is pretty like just obnoxious essentially because. A lot of people are talking about how the cog deck worked where like I go first or I, I make you go first. You don't get to play any cards. You flip attack and I go. I play one card before you could ever have played a battle card and I kill you, you know, and you have to sit there for five, ten minutes or whatever and watch me do it. So, you know, that I'm not cheating. Well, this is way worse than that because we play out like a 25 minute game where you play an EMP wave on the end of your turn. I untap draw, play some cards that probably don't matter and pass back to you. And you like attack me for one, play an EMP wave, and then we repeat the cycle. And that's, it's just like, it's painful for the person you're doing it to. Honestly, it seems painful for the person doing it. <laughs> I don't yeah. know because I haven't been on that end of it, but it just, it was just annoying. But it, you know, we talked to Drew about it and uh, he had played the guy in like a, gunslingers match where they're just like doing some developer games or whatever and drew just crushed him because he had like a bunch of main deck hand hate because yeah 
that, I mean, that's, and that's what beats it. And I, I don't know how that deck sits like in the rest of the format. We can go into a big meta talk, but we don't need to, you know, right now. But yeah, the, no, I agree. The point of my story here is that like, I sat down to round one playing this Jeffire deck and I was really confident in, and, uh, just got annihilated and didn't get to play the game and it felt really bad. <laughs> yeah, it definitely sets your tournament off on a different foot when round one is a loss, right? Like it's just, you kind of feel like even though this is a tournament where top eight could be a two loss top eight, you know, with nine rounds, you might feasibly get in on two losses, assuming that you were high enough in the tie breaks. But the the reality of it is, is that probably going 0-1 out of the gate, you're going to have to be perfect more or less for the rest of the day. And that makes for a really long and kind of pressure driven day. Uh, right. I, I had a very similar first round experience, but not against a combo deck. I just played Dan Arnold round one. Yeah, the guy who won. <laughs> yeah, you know, that, well, that's, that's a good At least your tie there. breaks were good. Yeah, my tie breaks were excellent. I mean, <laughs> I, I had really excellent tie breaks. I think going into the final round of the tournament, I think I was playing in such a position where my tie breaks had two players in top 16. So I think that really helped me a lot if I could have won that last round. And we'll get into that. So anyway, the the guy I played his name is Zach Schumer. Uh, he's from Michigan. I just like wanted to give him a shout out because he gave me like essentially an entire deck tech on the deck afterward. Um, and I, I think it's sweet. Like I I think it's much more fair than the Cog deck. It's like actually beatable, and the Cog deck was not. Um, and you just got to be prepared for it. So that was the biggest demoralizing thing for me was I was afraid that I sat down at this table completely unprepared for this matchup and that there were just going to be 20 people in the tournament on this deck and I was going to have to play it every round. <laughs> but that, yeah. didn't, that didn't happen. So No, it definitely didn't happen. And it's definitely one of those tournament decks that if it catches fire, it will, without a doubt, push the meta and the deck building decisions in an entirely different direction. Right. Than but what we currently see. Like I said, it, it's beatable. So we just didn't know it existed going in. Now that we do, like, it's just more important to have, like, the additional espionages or hijacks in your sideboard. Yes, absolutely. Like, the one hijack in sideboard and, well, we had, I had, I think we both had the same sideboard, if I remember right. So two espionages in the board and one hijack. And those got brought in right away. Right. And I did take t game two off of him with some very well-timed espionages and aggressive espionages and also aggressive security checkpoints because security checkpoint will take the conversion engine. Right. The deck uh, is which pretty... Which is just a key part of it. Yeah. The deck is pretty strong against security checkpoint. Uh, yes, it, it only is. has 12 upgrades. So you're only like 25% to hit. But if you do hit the conversion engine, that's good. Um, but the... You know, that just keeping him under seven cards stops the Springer bot side ability. So that's a way to, like, keep him off the MP waves. Yeah, I think System Reboot is also an extremely good way to sh kind of, like, slow the deck down. It doesn't stop it, right, because they get a redraw. But at least they can, you know, if they're sitting on seven or eight cards, you can System Reboot them down to four. And now they've got to kind of build back up. And that, yeah, it's, that can it's be It's interesting because a card like that traditionally against combo decks is really bad. Like, that's exactly what the combo deck wants to be doing is, like, just drawing cards. But uh, in this particular case, that's one way to fight it. Yeah. And also another way to fight it that uh, probably would be a little unforeseen is actually Peace of Tyranny. 
if you have a valid piece of tyranny target, you can piece of tyranny your own bot to take the second turn and get kind of break the cycle. Right. Uh, if if you have the P, the PTT, you can like take one turn, but it's it better be a good one because like <laughs> yes, well, and that was the other thing that I did in my matchup that probably my guess is in your first game you didn't do, and even in my first game I did was I opened Jetfire up early, like I just would just smash Jetfire into RC as hard as possible on the play, uh, just because it was an opportunity to try to soften uh, RC up. So that if I did get a second turn, because you probably in this matchup get at least two attacks, maybe three before the EMP consistently starts going off. And oh, I, I can tell you that uh, game one, he was on the play. I got two attacks. Game two, I was on the play. I got three attacks. Right. Exactly. Which was just so, like the whole team, not like I didn't get to attack with Jetfire twice in either case. Right. No, you're you're 100% correct. But I, I think when you have that opportunity and so... You just have to be really aggressive with your most aggressive bot when that happens, even when playing a control deck. Like, you can't play on the same axis of like, oh, I'm going to offer up my two little guys, and then I'm going to attack with my big guy who suited up. That's not going to happen in this matchup. You're going to have to use your big guy for as much advantage as you can get on the best target possible. And yeah, going after Springer is probably the worst call in that if you're like, you have to- If you're on a control deck, like if you're not on an aggro deck, you essentially can't win without the discard cards. If you're on an aggro Agreed. deck, you can like kill the guys and it'd be okay, but the, it's just going to eat the control decks for lunch. Yes, yep. It's it's really good at you know anti control, which is I think healthy. But I, I think you know one of the things that I think is interesting about it is I'm I, I know that Drew and company uh, are not concerned about it because we talked to him about it after the tournament, and since it didn't place very high. They ultimately aren't concerned about it. I we'll see if that holds up over time. I'm not I'm not faulting Drew or anybody at this time for not wanting to make a decision about it because honestly, there's just not enough data to understand whether it's going to define the meta or not. But I do think that if you're planning to play at Vegas this coming weekend, which this won't be out before Vegas, or if you're planning to play at Orlando in in January, you better be expecting something like this, and you better have a plan for it. Right. I I think once the like actual results from the EI will be posted, uh the combo deck that people will be on is the DE, like the Daring Escape Springer deck, because it's seven node constructed. Um, which obviously the EMP wave did not. Um and it was that's a deck that like is very interesting to me because it also had the fire drive, so it like you get to do some funny stuff like uh make a big fire drive attack to kill their turbo board. And then on your end step, when the conversion energy flips your Springer, do all your like just pile of garbage that leads to a daring escape. Yep. Um, so it's pretty interesting. Uh, and congrats to that guy. I don't, I didn't get to talk to him or like know his name, but he was seven Oh and constructed. Sorry, man. Like you got a cool deck, but there is sealed rounds. And like I was saying, you can't be the best in the world without playing limited. That's right. No, and I, and I think um, I, I think we knew that there was a DE deck out there that with time would emerge. And obviously this person was uh, was planning for it in such a way that I think they knew maybe MMG would get banned or equipment enthusiasts would get banned. And they were trying to see if Springer could still get there. And I think Springer can. That's obviously been proven at this point. So, you know, I just think if you're planning to play in a large scale tournament, 
or even at your locals for competitive, I would suspect and be prepared for combo decks. I don't think they're going anywhere. I don't think Watsy wants to get rid of them. And I think that's just going to be part of the game now. Yep. Uh, and they have written multiple articles. You know, Ken Nagel has come out a couple times talking about the Daring Escape thing in general and how, like, it may or may not be bad for the game, but they obviously think it's good for the game, like, to have those decks that fight on a different axis and as long as they keep them corralled into the turn three or four or five type wins that they're okay um so for the time being there were no combo decks in top eight at the eye so i think we're okay uh but we'll continue to talk about it because i like combo decks <laughs> i know yeah well, and, and to be fair, our dating back on the COG combo goes actually after COG was revealed in Wave 3. Like, we we started tinking around with him. Uh, yeah, don't much do it. To, yeah. yeah, much beknownst to a lot of people, right? Like, a lot of people were just, like, COG was, like, the worst super rare in the game, and we kept hearing it. And... Man, I love COG, though. I had, like, the little toy, the 2 piece 7 when I was a kid. <laughs> like, and I thought Fortress Maximus was so cool because he's so big and, like, but... Uh, I, I still think Cog is a cool card, and I hope there's a place for him. But uh, yeah, I keep trying to I keep trying to figure that place out. I keep tinking around with ideas in my head with him. Well, and, he's um, got a long, he's got an uphill battle now that sabotage armaments is a thing. But yeah, yeah. Well, we um, can get into that. Yeah. So that <laughs> so, was my round one. That's the only one we'll go into depth like that. But I did want to talk a little bit about my other rounds. Um, in round two, I played a very pleasant gentleman named Eric Johnson from Ohio. He was playing Overwhelming Advantage Shockwave. Yep. We had a a good match, but I pulled it out 2-1. Uh, our sideboard was slanted towards beating, like, the Voltron decks. Like, Correct. it had a bunch of disarms in it, and, like, he uh, espionaged me at one point and saw, like, Sabotage Armaments Disarm Disarm in my hand, and uh, he was like, well, I guess I can kind of concede now. <laughs> but yeah, he's a very nice guy. I hope his tournament went well. Um in round three, I played a. That was when the um, sealed round started. Was round three. Yep. And uh, I played against uh, that guy's friend from Ohio, uh, Greg Lance, who's playing uh, Green Light Hot Rod Fire Drive. He two owed me easily. Um, that seems like a pretty good lineup. I mean, yeah, I, I got... just got annihilated by like Fire Drive on the Green Light in two games. Like I, I right. like because you can't I like get rid of things to deal with the thing, but you can't kill it off the green light, so it just blows you out. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean that's that's so true. Like removal, removal and limited. I I had a few takeaways from limited. I posted on the Facebook group this week, and uh, one of those was that um, weapons and equipment in limited matters because even though there are great cards like sabotage armaments and reprocess and and. I mean, arguably, I guess you could say dismantle as well from wave three. That That's about it for equipment removal outside of like the dismantling series weapons and upgrades, which kind of play in a, in a way that isn't very intuitive and limited and not very like great. Like, you, you know, you want weapons on your own character. So like killing your own weapons is really not great when you're talking about uh, the format, but you know, it is one access point to, to removal in the format and removal is so key in limited and it's can be really hard to have 
reasonable amount of removal to deal with very powerful things like fire drive or suited up astro trains or um you know just about yeah, anything if, that would be if your sealed related. pool didn't have a reprocess in it you were in a bad place Agreed. Um, but uh like i didn't play vermeer weapons i didn't have very many i had two dismantling claws a kinetic whip and a laser cutlass and that was it but yeah I, I didn't have a ton either i did have a soldier's blaster which is which is obviously one of the best weapons in the format um and i did have a kinetic whip but then my other weapons were like anticipation engine and you know anticipation engine isn't actually a weapon it's just a, a trick yeah. <laughs> but i but it's i i only played the anticipation hard. engine because i i was lucky enough to pull a general megatron and so I am the guy that got a super rare in the limited, but yet still only went two and one. So that's where I sit back and say, like, I just got crushed by an Astro Train deck in round three. Uh, that The guy just had, like, I mean, I think he told me it, out of his 25, he had, like, 15 upgrades out of his 25. And I, I just didn't, there was no possible way my single reprocess was going to deal with all of that. Yeah. I mean, I, I played five wide idiocy in my pool, like, my team was uh, Sights, Laser Beak, Ravage, Fix It, Red Heat. Sounds and amazing. It was super fun, dude. Like I just, I'm, I'm sure know, it was. Yeah, I I mean, just put, I, like, the most fun I've had. Every black in, in my deck, and yeah, uh, that's that's the most fun but, I've had in limited is with those little guys in black pips because you just like swing for like right five it, pierce five every time. It's an interesting thing because like in sealed and draft, your like defense stat is almost meaningless like yep it's just because there's so many black pips like you just assume that every guy is going to do three damage every attack and <laughs> it's yeah you're you're 100 right i mean i think at one point i swung with megatron on his tank side for six pierce six yeah well and, I, I swung with fix it for eight pierce eight so that's amazing about that that's pretty awesome. You heard it here first. <laughs> Fix it better than General Megatron. <laughs> well, it, it you know, but that's that's the point, right? Like, uh, the point in Limited is it is kind of the equalizer of these bots because bot synergy really doesn't matter with one exception, in my opinion, and that's the patrols. If you manage to pull multiples of the patrols, there's great synergy in that. As um, long as you as long as you have the leader. Like I both my yeah, red heat and my fix it were in the same patrol, but they didn't do anything. <laughs> Right. No, but if you had the leader to go with those, there's real value in the synergy of what comes out of that. So, and that leader is basically untouchable until the, he's the last spot standing. And I had that happen with an early limited pool before EI. In that limited pool, I ended up playing uh, Detrius, the mercenary, with Sunrunner and two Flax. Because yes, everybody all, doesn't realize this either. You can have two of the same name bot on your team in limited. And that deck was really brutal on opponents. Really brutal. So, I mean, okay, so we've kind of talked about limited. Obviously, can you talk a little bit about round four, round five for you? Yeah. Like how, I, how did you come out? I uh, I won my other limited rounds. Um, I played against Eric Goodhart of Bacon Ice Cream. Check him out on YouTube. YouTube.com cool. slash Bacon Ice Cream. Um, he's an awesome guy. He uh, came, and, came and hang out after the tournament with uh, us and the Vector Sigma crew. Um I also played against Jimmy from the Jank Lab. Uh, if you've seen his stuff on YouTube, he recently put up some stuff with uh, Powered by Primus. And uh, his YouTube channel is pretty fun because it, it is the Jank Lab. Like, he plays weird stuff. And um, I 2 won him. Uh, I 2 would Eric. And uh, I came out of the sealed rounds feeling pretty good at uh, 
four and two or three and two three and two um yeah yeah, yeah. we've been round five so i was we were both three and two coming out we we kept joking throughout the day that we were on a crash course to play each other we did have a similar record for most of the day but i i felt really good about the sealed portion for me anyway my my pool was just like okay and uh i ended up doing two one which you can't you know everybody that spiked a three oh good for you like I'm sure you played well and had good pools, but uh, I feel pretty good about two one and sealed. Well, one of our locals, Brendan, uh, he he's out of Omaha and he he went three zero and sealed, um, but he had a really rough day in constructed. So, I mean, there was an example of the opposite happening where the constructed deck wasn't up to par with the meta, and the sealed deck helped him stay in the tournament for much longer. But he ended up. Uh, out coming out of the sealed, he was, I think four and one, four one at that point. Yeah, and then he just lost the next three in a row. Yeah, the I played against uh, the same deck he was playing in a later round and and beat it. Um, we can talk about that too. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my round five, six, my round six, I played against a gentleman named Eric from Orlando who I hope that I get to like go up to his store sometime in the next two weeks while I'm still here to play with those guys. He invited me to come up there. Um, and we we're just playing the mirror. Uh, he mirror was jet fires. Yeah. He was also on jet fire night flight tailwind. Um, and I, I mean, he drew better. He played better. I don't know which, but his deck also had a war of attrition in it, which I, I'm lower on than most people. I don't I don't like that card very much, but man was it good in the mirror cuz we just like got our little <laughs> we got our little planes killed and our jet fires were just banging into each other like with wet noodles for four at a time. So the 6 point life swing uh was a big deal every time he did it cuz Jetfire has so many extra cards in hand he can pick up those collectible cards uh really easy. Um so that was my only other loss of the tournament. Uh, was to the mirror in round six in round seven i played against kevin allen who we had on the pod a couple episodes ago who won gen con with cars um he was playing the same cars deck and i beat him two one um in the following round i played against brett who is the guy that kevin beat in the finals of gen con (laughs) um that's so funny yeah he was playing uh Three wide cars. At Gen Con, he was playing uh, Wheeljack, Lionizer, Cliff Jumper. At this tournament, he was playing Lockdown, Lionizer, Cliff Jumper. So it was a very similar deck. It just had Lockdown and a couple of the mercenary cards in it. Um, it was a cool deck. I I beat him 2-0. Um, he also has a YouTube channel, if you guys are interested. It's Phase 6 Gaming. Um, apparently, they're brand new. That They got Powered by Primus to do the artwork for... Uh, their channel and it's six shot it looks pretty cool nice uh, he was very excited about that I, I thought it was cool too i don't know much about six shot but he's a cool looking transformer <laughs> yes he is um and then in the final round i played against just the nicest kid in the world named joel from la uh, and he was on three wide megatron which this megatron is, tank, like tanks build right, right? yeah it was megatron. it was yeah imp- uh impactor demolisher lord megatron and so 
I ended up winning that a very, very close match two to one against him in uh, in game two. He attacked my jet fire to one, and then I exaxied his Lord Megatron to win on the swing back. So it was extremely close. He's a good player, and like this, this is my gripe from this match is that we joked beforehand going in that uh, I was gonna scoop a Megatron into top thirty two to win the bet, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> At both of us at six and two, uh, or sorry, at both of us at five and three, either of us could have made top 32 at six and three. Like there were six right. and threes that made top 32. So we, he and I were playing for the possibility of top 32. So somehow I managed to get myself in a situation where I could have literally scooped a Megatron into top 32 to win the bet, but I didn't because I forgot about it at the last minute like it was a super long day i was trying to win 250 dollars for making top 32 and it just slipped my mind but totally be worth 250 dollars to me to like do this but <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm, so, I'm happy that you didn't think about it. we so, laughed about it on the so whole joel, way out of the if, if you're listening center. joel i'm really sorry i should have scooped you in uh and we had a great match um overall on the day i went six and three I lost one sealed round. I lost a round at a dumb combo deck. And I lost a mirror match in round six. And I feel pretty good about the whole thing. Um, I had a really good time. We were on that Jetfire deck thanks to uh, Scott Landis and Vector Sigma. Um, working with them for the past month or so, you know, we got on this list. And it's really, really good. Um, and these... All these decks, these three wide giant guy decks, it's like Shockwave, General Galactic Prime, or Jetfire plus two. They're all really similar, and they're all really, really good. Um, so I I had a great time. I don't know. I I wish that I would have made top 32 because I did win that round. I got 39th. Um, so my tiebreakers were just awful. <laughs> yeah. But what are you going to yeah, do? I, I, yeah, I mean that's exactly right. What can you do? So, um, you know, you just you just play your best every single round. You try to do the best. You win as many rounds as you can possibly win, and then you hope that the chips fall in your favor when it comes to tie breaks because there's not anything you can do about that. Um, you know, so for me, like I I I had a very similar kind of day to you where I came out of sealed. I was um, three and two coming out of sealed. I knew that I was still in the hunt for a top 32 finish, um, was still playing really hard in that, and I lined up round six against your combo deck that you played in round one, and I, I just about, like, my heart just sunk. Like, my heart sunk. Like, it just was in my stomach going, this is how I'm going to lose my day. My day is going to be lost off of playing something that there was just no way we could have prepared for, and that's how it's going to be. And I was very fortunate to come out of that match, not necessarily earning it in my own way. I did legitimately beat him game two, uh, game three. He forgot to pull out his mounted missiles. Uh, I'm not sure if he forgot to pull out other cards or not, but he forgot to pull out his mounted missiles and that left his deck at 26 stars or whatever the judge judge added him up and was determined that he had an illegal deck at the time I called the judge. And so therefore he was DQ'd in game three. Um, right. Although I was in a pretty good place going into game three because 
if he only had one EMP wave, if that was actually true, then that EMP wave was on the very last card of the deck because that was all he had left in the deck was one card, and he hadn't fired it yet. Well, so the the story maybe, there is just that like the deck, a deck like that, a combo deck, or you know, a deck that even a even a fair deck that's playing those wishes, like it's your responsibility as a player to like make sure your sideboard is correct at the like when the game starts and i i maybe you don't think you earned it but like i mean it's on you and it's on him both to like catch that stuff when you see them on missiles or even if anybody's playing and you miss a trigger it's both players responsibility to like see the trigger and like make the game function Re- as rewind the game function. straight yeah. correct yeah and so, we did that a couple of times where he tried to make things happen that in an order that was out of order, but ultimately would be legal, providing that the sequence was followed. So we 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 backed up a few steps sometimes to do that, just so that he was playing correctly. Um, but I mean, yes, ultimately, like, like this. Ultimately, especially at the World Championship, like you just gotta make sure your sideboard's right before going into the next game. So absolutely. So and you, I think that's you, just you a get the matter victory. of fatigue. Um, and yeah, fatigue is a big thing in that tournament for sure. Yes. Stop me from winning the Megatron bet. We don't know that for sure, but <laughs> so it stopped me from, no. for, from scooping him in. But, uh, well, and so, so my, when I went into round seven, I was feeling very confident. I'd gotten through a very difficult part going into round seven. I line up with a gentleman named Tony. Um, I don't know where Tony was from. He was super awesome and fun to play with and, and exactly what I needed after playing the combo deck. Uh, but he was playing a blue bugs list that just kind of ultimately just kept healing itself and made kickback more or less unkillable. The new Raider kickback, not the wave one kickback. And we took 40 minutes to complete game one where he came out with a win by like two health. Um, and then we go into a game two and we get time called and on time breaks, tie breaks, he beats me by one health. So, Good, good on Tony. I mean, that's that's exactly what that deck is intending to do: is go to time and win on tie breaks. Uh, it's very good at that, and uh, right. it was fun to see the new Insecticons working in a way that wasn't the traditional bugs list that we've tested and played millions right. I, of times up to this. I point. would put working in quotation marks, but the like, like you said, the deck just wins all that's matches one zero, and that's kind of crappy. Like. That's like kind of the biggest takeaway for me from the tournament was that like you have to learn to play really fast and you have to be on your opponent to play fast. Also, now that we play best of three in the 50 minute rounds and now that the meta has moved away from just like a bunch of wide aggro decks, like it's hard to finish three games in the time limit unless both people are very confident at piloting their decks. Well, I'll give Tony a lot of credit. He he didn't slow play. I I will I will say that there was never a time where he was slow playing. In fact, if anything, my problem was trying to solve the puzzle of how I was going to win, and and it took me more time to try to make decisions. Sometimes when I'm sitting with half my deck in my hand, trying to figure out what is the best solution on how to win in this scenario, because it's just de- jet fire against three bots at that point. Right, and his three bots are doing nothing to Jetfire, but Jetfire is not doing anything to kickback. Right, so you're like, you you get him down to kickback and Jetfire, and kickback is like eight bot 
you know, eight health with zero defense. He's like massive Raider aimless, but like at that particular stage, it was just very, very difficult. And, and then in game two, he sighted into motor master, which turned off my uh, javelins and turned off my armed hovercrafts to help try to push damage out and good on him for that. But we never got to a game three where I could make sideboard decisions that could maybe help me in that as well. So yeah, I mean, I, I good on Tony. I mean, that's exactly what the deck's entitled to do. And, and, you know, it's more of a testament of why Watsy talked about why blue can't be better than orange consistently because it, you end up in game states like that where you it just makes, cannot. It makes for a 14 hour nine round tournament. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, you're 100% right. So, um, yeah. So, anyways, Tony was awesome. I had a ton of fun playing him. I would gladly play him again. We we had a lot of back and forth banter, but it was very friendly. And that's one thing I'll say about all my competitors on that day was they were all very friendly. Um, way round eight, I played a four wide cars deck that very similar to Kevin Allen's. The only difference was no bolsters. He was playing Zaps in space of the bolster instead. Um, and I two owed the the car four wide cars deck. It's just. Um, Right. You know, Jeff Fire is very well positioned to handle the, four wide those, cards. The Jeff Fire deck specifically, and essentially like the other three wide giant guys decks I was talking about, are very well positioned against the the wide aggro decks. You know, the the traditional thing that should beat them is like a three wide aggro that has more than one giant threat instead of like a bunch of little threats, you know. Um so I mean, that's one of the reasons we played the deck, because it's good against those, uh, and it, Jeff Fire is a hell of a thing. <laughs> he is. And so I, I went into round nine firmly in position to place top 32. I was sitting at the upper end of the tie breaks. Uh, right, was, your, your tie felt... breaks were really good, because you had yep. Dan Arnold on his, like, I don't know if you had one loss at that point. He, yeah, he, must have, he was seven, he, seven and one at that point. Right, yeah. he went into the top eight at seven, one, and one. Right. He went into top nine or top eight at seven one one. Yeah. Finished around nine at seven one one because I drew the last round. But yeah, so uh going to round nine I play a gentleman by the name of Matthew Brower. Uh and he had a really interesting aggro deck. Uh something that I had not ever seen. Um it was four white aggro, which I felt like I was at an advantage at until I played through game one, and then I wasn't sure I was at an advantage anymore against it. And that was uh, the Raider uh, Tailwind Airstrike Patrol deck with all the Airstrike Patrol guys and then Insecticon Scrapnel. And he right. ultimately so, was playing... So it wasn't four wide, it was actually five wide. Correct. correct, yeah, I'm yeah. sorry, five, five wide, yes, correct. And so it was, it was the widest aggro deck I've played against, and he was playing a heavy green pip... Uh, deckless because at the end of the day that first green is essentially turned into a double orange so he was playing all the green oranges all the green uh whites that he could get his hands on so like he had decepticon crowns on the deck and he had uh, espionages in the deck and he had escape i don't think he had escape rots on the deck sorry um but then he had focus fire on the deck which is essentially a triple pip when you flip it for one of the airstrike patrol guys and he was just building focus fire to the point where Basically, Tailwind was untouchable through the entire game. And then when he finally did attack with Tailwind, it was just swinging for like 18 points of damage into something. And so he just surely overwhelmed even the best of my defenses, even through hidden fortifications. Uh, and there really wasn't a ton of weapons. He did play some weapons, like he had erratic lightnings in the deck. But, I mean, I ate those up with things like sabotage armaments. And, and 
just at the end of the day, it was just not enough for me to get through the final uh, final round. We were down to a tailwind with five or six health remaining, like five or six health damage on it, what, two health remaining, and I just would die right at that right. last attack. If, if and, you want to know more about this specific deck, he actually did a deck tech on the Facebook group in the last couple of days. Yep. Yep. Um, it's pretty sweet. Uh, it is cool. If If you notice, like, the airstrike guys are a common theme here where yes uh there were many copies of them in the top eight there were many copies of them throughout the tournament uh both in aggro and in control they are they are swinging above the curve as it were they're just like like two stars bigger worth of stats for (laughs) little guys Exactly, and and the part of that just has to do with Tailwind's ability with the green pip. Well, that that's a hundred percent what it has to do with. Yeah, no, it, it, right. That's what I'm getting at. But the the tournament, all in all, was I, I thought yes, it was long, but I do think for as much staff as they had, they had some problems with judge calls because they just didn't have enough judges for the number of players. But at the end of the day, like. I think it was well-managed and well-run. I agree with you 100%, and I think they'll only get better in terms of uh, staffing because they'll have a much cleaner picture moving forward of what to right. expect. I, I mean, I'm not sure they knew. I know a lot of people were complaining about the judge calls or whatever, but like pastimes just had like four no-shows or something for tournament organizers. Like, that sucks. You know, that does I, suck. Like, if you're going to packs or whatever and you signed up to do that stuff you should show up like you really put them at a disadvantage um you know they they were paying you it's not like you volunteered for this <laughs> but anyway that that's kind of a separate thing i there was nothing that went on during the day involving the staff the wizard staff or the pastime staff that bothered me at all and yeah. like i know that some people were like mad that you couldn't talk during the sealed rounds like stuff like that like that don't come to these tournaments if you want it to be casual. Like, I, it's not. This is the world championship. Just just get used to uncomfortable silence for six minutes while you stare at your opponent across the table because you mean, can't talk to them. I I've done that many times because that's how they run the like the sanctioned Magic limited events. Sure. And of so like, I I didn't understand. I I guess I should have because I there weren't a lot of people there that had that kind of experience. Um, but I just didn't understand what, why people didn't get it, like why people didn't understand what's going on. Like all you have to do is just listen to what the judges say. Like they will give you instructions on how to proceed, and you don't need to like be fidgety. You don't need to open your packs. Like this is nobody's going to steal your stuff. Nobody's going to like be shady. Like the whole point of this is so that there isn't that stuff happening. <laughs> And right. If you no, just, you're exactly right. If you just follow the rules. It all gets done quicker. It all gets done smoother. And so I don't think we're going to have much time to talk about the Vector Sigma team and their success on the day. But they were they were extremely successful. Obviously, I think they had six members in top 32, which is fantastic. Uh, certainly, major props to Scott and team for all the hard work they put in. Uh, and then the support that they got, you know, from other members of the community to help them land on the deck that they ended up playing on Saturday. So, or Sunday, excuse me. Well, Saturday and Sunday. Um, so I, I do want to talk about the Jetfire deck, but I don't think we're going to have time to even delve into that. I think we're going to have to save that for a future episode. 
Is there any final comments you want to make about the EI, Neil, before we, we sign off for today? And then we can come back uh, in the next episode and maybe talk about why we chose to run the Jetfire, uh, why Vector Sigma audibled out of it late, and um, what that looks like. Well, the only thing that I want to comment on uh, is just exactly what you just said. Like, I cannot thank Scott and Dan and Vector Sigma enough for the help that they gave me and us over the last month and a half. Like, uh, they're great guys to work with. Um, they're awesome guys to hang out with. They had like a little after party thing after the EI. And uh, I know that you didn't get to go because of your flight, but... I went and had an awesome time just like sitting there and like shooting the breeze with Vince about Transformers comics and uh, <laughs> like they're just super helpful. They were super awesome. They're obviously at the pinnacle of the game because of like what you just said about their finishes, obviously Dan in first place. Um, and I, you know, I wouldn't have done as well in the day as I did without their help. So I just wanted to give them that plug for anybody that's listening, like check out their stuff. Uh, it'll make you a better Transformers player. Absolutely. It's I mean, <laughs> they, they really do talk a lot about it. The sphere discussion is legitimate. Uh, it's been proven time and time again. Uh, still is being proven even after EI and even after the introduction of combo decks. Um, I think, you know, they, they really do understand holistically how this game is, is to be approached and you know credit to them for that hard work and effort and energy that they've put together as a team uh, to come up with some of the best decks and i definitely think that if you're not studying at least their theorems you're going to be in a lot worse place trying to be competitive in this game yeah it's i mean i don't want to put anybody down like i am i had a great time hanging out with everybody there that i had followed on youtube or podcast or whatever but like vector put six people in the top 32 and none of the other teams did and uh well and, and like, technically <laughs> yeah technically i mean i don't think stefan was officially part of the team before the ei but he is now so right. you could argue they had two in the top four <laughs> yeah. with that well he he wasn't on the vector deck that he was obviously playing shockwave because that's his baby right and I mean, congratulations to him too. Congratulations to all the top eight guys. Um, having played in the tournament, I know how difficult it was to get there. So, yes, uh, yeah, congratulations. It's, it's really and, something to watch the decks that made it there and watch the the players that played them because you just really get a deeper appreciation for how difficult yeah. it is to top eight an event like that. If, if you want to learn something about how to play the game, watch Dan Arnold's matches playing that Optimus deck. Like, just just watch his plays and try to figure out why he does the things he does. And uh, some are obvious and some of them are not. And Correct. The coverage with, uh, obviously, Scott was doing coverage for some of those matches. Um, and uh, Jamie from Primus was doing some of the coverage. And, like, they will talk about what's going on in detail. But, like, I was just standing there, like, standing right behind him. I couldn't hear any of the coverage, and I was just like learning <laughs> things about the game that uh yeah me too you don't get in other ways unless and you like say, interact you with know, a game like that in person i would say 80 percent of the time 
the decisions were obvious, but there was those 20% times where I knew I was going to make a different decision than what he ended up with. Yep. And that's, that's how you learn to be a better player, right? Cause you really get a deeper understanding of why your decision was not necessarily the right one. Even if your train of thought was leading in the right direction, it's probably leading in a direction that isn't the consistent outcome. And so therefore what Dan's making decisions on there is consistency of outcome and he's doing a better job of making uh, the right, right play. Especially overall. especially playing a deck that they hadn't picked up until like 11 p.m. the night before. Yeah, uh, they literally registered an hour before the deadline. Yep. And um, yeah, it was. it's just pretty amazing. So it is. That's, that's about all I have to say about the EI. It was a great time. I mean, I had a good time there. I hope that uh we will get the top 32 deck lists because i want you to have to rap on the podcast <laughs> but uh we won't know for a little bit yet i think yep yeah we did talk to drew about it um they are working on posting the top 32 they tweeted about it today uh that the top 32 list will be released uh they're just it's going to take up some time to put it all together which is understandable there's a lot more there obviously than the top eight so We'll give them the time and that they need to do that. But it is a good reminder the Megatron bet is still going on, and you as a user can still submit your Megatron bet for right. an opportunity to get an Omnibot pack. We've still got an Omnibot pack out there on the line. So uh, if you want to get an Omnibot pack, send us your wrap. Like you can tweet at us with it, you can uh, DM it to us through our Facebook page I, I don't really care how you get a hold of us uh some other really exciting news coming up on um over the next few weeks is that our website will be live soon so if you are interested in seeing us talk more about things yeah, and go if, beyond the show if you want to read a lot me of opportunity for babbling that. yeah and me too i'm going to talk about a lot of well, uh, decks you. yeah 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 whatever <laughs> My my trucks and bucks deck is super popular on Fortress Max. That's, that's, all that's why. Say. That's that's the reason why no one wants to read Dragon Claws. Hey man, that's exactly why people <laughs> want to read it is because it's so stupid, but it's amazing. I even called it a meme or not. <laughs> but uh, yeah, at the end of the day, uh, we're gonna have a lot of fun on that site, and we're gonna try to bring a lot of great content to you and talk about things from both a str strategy perspective, but also have fun talk about some of the casual decks that we enjoy playing. And uh, yeah, we'll kind of just uh, close it with that. So this has been another episode of the Shuffle Bus. As always, Neil, thanks for being with me. It's been great chatting with you about the EI. It's Congratulations much nicer on being with you when I'm in Florida. I, yeah, I don't know about that, but <laughs> you, you, we're, you're just getting all soft on me. That's what I'm worried I know. about. Like, well, you, we you spent, were Nebraska tough for a while. but We spent like three nights in the same bed, so it's okay. Like I'm happy to be here. Where it's nice and yeah, I was back in my own bed, man. I'm going to tell you that right now. But yeah, no, it was it was great. Obviously, um, you know the the EIQ was or the EI was um, a lot of fun, and and Philadelphia was a great city. Was uh, obviously gr very gracious and hosted packs very well. I think overall, minus a few minor things that we talked about. Um, and so I think at the end of the day, yeah, I mean, I think, I hope they continue it with that show, but I can also understand if they decide to pull it away and do something different.
Well, maybe we'll get to talk to Drew about that a little bit. But <laughs> Yeah, I, I hope we can. I, I actually hope we can talk a little bit about that and maybe get a little bit of an insight on what's coming up next. So uh, we we have reached out to Watsy to schedule Drew at some point, so hopefully he'll be with us in a future episode. I also have spoke to Vector Sigma, and I think Dan's going to be joining us in a future episode. So uh, obviously you want to stay tuned. Make sure you hit that subscribe button on whatever your favorite podcast app is, and we'll see you all in the next show. Thanks, guys.